morning. Our scripture reading today is uh, on page nine of your booklets. It's a short one, first couple of verses of Colossians. Please join with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, hello. Uh, I'm, I'm Lee Hinkle, by the way, if you don't remember me. It is good to be back with you today and to begin a series for us here at Fremantle Church on what does it mean for us to be a community in Christ and really looking at the book of Colossians, this letter that Paul has written to the church in Colossae, to see what it means for us to be a gathering and a community that firmly has its identity, place, source of power and comfort in Christ. If you remember, we are a church that has an identity statement that we use that says this, that Fremantle Church is a gathering of people in Fremantle who want to know and make known, express and experience God's steadfast love and pursuit to bring us into whole relationship with himself, with ourselves, with all others, and the very place that we live. Now, that lets us know kind of who we are. But in this book, we're going to unpack what that might mean to be this gathering of people in Christ that want to see those things accomplished. Right before I left on our little uh, journey to the States, we unrolled and showed you a, a vision for where we believe God is leading us to. And I want to just say it again to have you have it in your head. Because I believe that it's when we hear Paul's words to the church in Colossae and we begin to grasp what it means to be a community in Christ, that this vision that God has for us is inevitable. That it's something that through God's Holy Spirit, his power will bring us into that place, that he'll be developing that. But for us, for those of us who are gathered here, whether you are one who would say, yes, Christ is my Savior, or you are one who would say, I'm not quite sure about this. At this moment, at this place, at this time in history, you are present, receiving God's words today to you, encouraging you to know what does it mean for me to be a community in Christ and be part of that community. And so in five years, we as a community of Fremantle Church will continue to grow deeper in God's love and grace, loving each other and those around us in order to bring healing and restoration and to see God's kingdom advance. 
We are committed to serve within our giftedness to reflect and accomplish God's purposes. And we will have planted two like-minded churches that reflect the places they are located and will continue to be a network of churches that plant churches. Now that's a lofty vision. That's something that is far beyond us. And in some sense, even what we're talking about today is beyond us. You'll see that right off the bat as Paul starts this letter. He says that he wants to talk to the holy people who are in Colossae. The faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. These people who have gathered together because of the work that Christ has done and they are placed within him completely. Their identity rests solely in who Christ is and what he has done. That's what makes them holy. They are not holy on their own. Our identity is not what we have done, but what Christ has done for us. You'll notice there that I said faithful brothers and sisters, but the passage that, that uh, James read said just brothers. I, I want to point out something here just very quickly because uh, there are different types of translations that get printed. Uh, the, the one that's in the bulletin is from the ESV. When I say brothers and sisters, it's from the NIV, the New International Version versus the English Standard Version. The Greek word that this was originally written in actually holds both brothers and sisters. So you can talk to the translators of the ESV and figure out why they didn't want to put sisters in there. But just to be clear, he's talking to everybody when he says that. Both men and women, brothers and sisters, who are what? In Christ. That is where their identity is. We are a gospel community, those gathered together in Christ because of this. It's not just a salutation that Paul gives here. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. When we hear about grace, I, I want us to hold two things here. There's this idea of common grace. This place where God in his great mercy and care for all of his creation is holding it together. In fact, here a little bit later in a few more weeks, we're going to look at that in Christ all things are being held together. That's that idea of common grace. It's the reality of recognizing that the world is so broken and we are so tempted to turn ourselves in on our own hearts and go after what we want that we would live in utter chaos if not for God's common grace. His gentleness and mercy, his truth and his light that holds the world together even though it is an enemy and fighting against it, pushing even more than any rebellious child to any loving parent, desiring its own way, but God in his great mercy and his common grace holds it 
together. But more than that, then, there is also the idea of saving grace. That grace that pours out to us the unmerited favor of God because we are unworthy to receive it, not because we weren't created in God's image, we were, but because we've been corrupted by sin that comes in and says, I don't believe that God is God. I want to be God. I mean, that's the essence of it. We're never ever that arrogant. Some of us are. But it's just the idea that I want to be God, so I will do what I want to do. And so it takes God's grace, saving grace, unmerited grace to take us from death to life, from darkness to light, to take our hearts of stone that get turned on itself and make it a heart of flesh. And so right off the bat, what we see as a community that is in Christ, in this group in Colossae, but also for us today, is that grace is important. So you may be here today wondering about grace. And you recognize that the world is uh, tumultuous at best. And you wonder, how is it possibly not going to spin off its axis? And just get crazier and crazier. We'll see if that's me and it continues on. It is only by God's common grace that that doesn't happen. And so if you are here today, you need to know, each and every one of us, that we are walking continually in God's good favor. That we are walking in ways and paths that he is bound up to keep us, not necessarily safe, but from keeping the world being as bad as it could be. But I want to invite you further in, if you are here, and that's the only grace that you've experienced, to experience God's grace that saves To come to the end of yourself where you stop believing you can make it happen. You stop believing that you can do the good. You you stop believing and you turn and realize that in surrender and belief that God has done it already, you will move into a place of life. Life better than you've ever dreamed of. And so we see that the church that is gathered together in Colossae, just like us, is the first thing that we do with this grace is we receive it. We have to receive it and bring it in. The second thing that we do is we have to possess it. Now, this really goes to those of us who have walked into that saving grace, have grabbed hold of it. You see, the danger for us, and it happens in the church in Colossae, and it actually is the reason why we have all of the letters in the New Testament that Paul and Peter writes, is because after receiving that grace, that saving grace, we go, great God, thanks for saving me, now I'm going to do it on my own. And so it's important for us, if we're going to be a community in Christ, to recognize that we never do it on our own. That by possessing the grace that God has given us, it relieves us from the pressure. It relieves us from the duty of trying to save ourselves. 
that God has done that work, that we are complete. However, we are still walking in our flesh. And so when the temptations arise, and they tend to be this, taking a good thing and making it a great thing, they tend to be saying, oh, let's use an example. I, I, I want to take care of my family well, or, or I, I want to care for myself well. And so we elevate something that we believe will take care of that. Because in doing that, I'm honoring God. But what it does is it foreshadows our love for God. Not that that's not a good thing, but it becomes the ultimate thing. By possessing grace, we recognize that the work is completed and done. And what is happening now is God is making it real and true, moment by moment, day by day for us. So not only do we have to receive it, not only do we have to possess it, but we then go on to proclaim it. As a community in Christ, those that are walking in this way, as we come to know and possess this grace, we can't help but then proclaim it. To say out loud to those who are around us, there is something more. Yes, you are loved by God. You are cared for him. He has set boundaries on you. You are experiencing his common grace and how good it is. But how much more is his saving grace for you? And we do that both in word and deeds. We do that by how we engage with people. Knowing that all people that God desires will be his. We rest believing and knowing that he is drawing them to himself. And we get to join in that work. And so we become those who proclaim his grace. Now, if you've been in church or you've never been in church, grace has been a word that you've heard and you've experienced. It's been there. I, I was just um, reading uh, today about um, the new Barbie movie and how grace is present within that Barbie movie. In the New York Magazine with an interview with Greta Gerwig, the director. And, and she talks about how she has some 90-year-old friends Aren't we blessed to have some of those not-quite-90s friends here? And one plays a particular role in the movie that she has. She happens to be a fashion photographer and editor. And it's the person, oh, it's not out long enough, so I shouldn't maybe ruin it. Oh, it's not even out here. If you want to know the spoiler, come and talk to me later. <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> what we know and see in this is Greta Gerwig, who would not claim to be a follower of Christ that we know of, says that grace is present in this movie, a grace that is from God. And so you maybe know that word. <laughs> and you've heard it. And so to hear about grace and common grace and salvific grace, you go, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I can get that. But then he also says peace to you. Peace to you. And I think peace may be a little harder for us to grasp. 
I think peace sometimes is a little harder for us to believe because we know that even in God's good common grace, while he's holding the world together, the world comes crashing in, right? That by my own decisions are the decisions of others, that on a micro level, that happens with me individually, and on a macro level, globally, it just seems like there is no peace. In fact, it's almost as if people are saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And so perhaps it's good for us to understand what Paul is bringing forth here for this church in Colossae and for us as a community in Christ. We recognize this, that in Scripture, in the Old Testament, the word for peace is shalom. And it means these things, well-being and wholeness, perfection of God's creation, abundance, And in the New Testament, that form of shalom is used 94 times in a word called irene. That's not important. It's not even good that I pronounced it correctly because I didn't. But it means this, a restoration of relationships or wholeness or healing. You see, we hear from Paul in Ephesians that he's come to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Walter Bergerman wrote this about the idea of peace. He says, The vision of wholeness, which is the supreme will of the biblical God, is the outgrowth of a covenant of shalom or peace, in which persons are bound not only to God, but to one another in a caring, sharing, rejoicing community with none to make them afraid. Peace moves us from being dependent upon ourselves, but dependent upon others. God created the world in a web of relationships for us to work in, to experience his goodness. And so the reality is peace is the stuff of the kingdom of God. It's what the kingdom looks like in the context of the world. A place where we have relationship that is complete and whole with God, relationship with ourselves, and relationship with one another. And that that even moves out and extends, hoping to bring others into wholeness, into completeness, so that they can then become citizens of the kingdom of God. To live in this peace, the way of peace, it requires us to disregard any sort of thin understanding of the gospel, which is this. You are worse off than you could ever imagine. And you are more loved than you could ever have hoped for. The gospel is this that you were in a hostile environment as a hostile person against a holy and loving God. And he pursued you to the point of giving himself so that you could be in peace with him. And so, as those of us who are a community in Christ, the first thing that we recognize we do is we what? receive the peace. We receive it. It comes to us from God. There's no other way for us to get that. We then possess 
that peace. We actively walk in it, in our own hearts and in our relationships with others. We no longer seek to have our way superior to those that are around us. When we have offense that happens to us, we are quick to recognize that that offense is real that it happened, that we can mourn it and grieve it, but we can also step in it and through it in order to bring relationship. Sometimes that relationship is actually personal and it works and we are able to be in physical relationship with that person. Sometimes it will never be that again. But yet we do not disdain that individual. We do not hold them aghast and afar in our hearts. We seek God to direct their hearts and to guide them so that they can experience the wholeness that is peace. We recognize that the world is broken and its systems, and we work to bring peace to bear in that. We possess it, and then we proclaim it. We are those who say aloud that the world does not have to rest in this place where there is no path of redemption and forgiveness. Peace says loudly that when there is the love of God, there is a path of forgiveness and repentance. That you are not defined by your worst moment. Praise God. Yeah. I mean, because if we aren't, are, we should just go ahead and get that out with one another. Who wants to be the first to share? But we're not because God's peace has broken in and it's been given to us and we possess it now. And so we then can proclaim it and say, you do not have to live the life that you're living. You do not have to be caught in the bondage that you're caught in. That in fact, God has come to bring freedom and that freedom rests completely in peace. But just so we're clear, That's not, again, anything that we've done. These holy people, these holy people, these faithful brothers and sisters are resting as a community in Christ. And so as we go through this book, Over and over again, you will see grace and peace and the identity that we have in Christ informs and empowers who we are called to be as a community. And so we welcome you in. We ask that you join us. We anticipate the Holy Spirit moving to change us so that as we go through this book and as we reach the end of this letter, that we will be able to look back and go, we have truly become a community of grace and peace. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the chance, the opportunity to bring your words. And if they're not your words, Let them burn up and go away. But if they are your words, 
Let them bring forth good fruit and bring you glory and honor and praise. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.